Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. He was injured in the last game of the season. He is on LTIR. His name is Pat. He's missing from the Pat cast. (laughs) So this will be complete and utter chaos because not only does Pat keep us on track as as crazy as that might sound, (laughs) but he also like does all the transitions between topics for us and comes up with all kinds of things to talk about. So this is just going to be pure chaos. So what do they what do they call it? It's like the kids table. Yeah, we're at the kids table. <laughs> Wee! <laughs> well, at least we can like you know talk all Pacific Northwest things and not have to worry about Pat not understanding. <laughs> yeah, unlike the rest of our audience, which is clearly you know comprised of everyone who understands. They're not listening to understand. They're listening because we're entertaining to listen to. Uh, okay. That's my theory. <laughs> yes, we're going to go with that and we'll stay with that. That's my theory. <laughs> That's my theory and I'm sticking to it. Until facts prove otherwise, they still won't change my mind. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, the Einstein quote of if the facts don't fit the theory, change the facts. True quote, Einstein, look it up. <laughs> Just a hint of irony in Einstein on that one, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, um, is the Kraken-Winnipeg game today the most useless game, or is it the most useless game? It is the most useless game. Okay, that is the correct answer. Mm. Now, at least they had the common courtesy to not delay the playoffs to play this game, unlike the Canucks and the Flames last year, who made everyone in their little Canadian division wait for them to get their homework done before they played games, before the playoffs could start. Was so, that COVID's fault? I don't remember. It was so long ago. It's a blur. I know. It was so long ago, yet it really kind of wasn't. <laughs> no. Which is the greatest thing. You know, and the worst thing. I can't remember if it's good or bad. <laughs> it simply just is. The glass is neither half full or half empty. The glass is. Mm-hmm. The glass um, has water in it. Yes, it does. Um, playoffs. Who? And well, man, we're talking playoffs. Who? By the time you hear this, the Tampa Maple Wings may have already taken a one nothing series in this lead. As a matter of fact, I can guarantee you the Tampa Maple Wings will have taken a one nothing lead in this series. <laughs> so have you done, are you going to do, I guess, if you haven't done it already, the uh, NHL's bracket challenge? No. no, I have no interest in it. I hate this playoff format. I despise it. I loathe it. It's, it's disgusting. Well, the bracket challenge thingy isn't even like all that great because you can't put in multiple brackets to test out your own personal theories. I know. Which sucks. And it it sucks even more because the only reason we have a playoff format is for this stupid bracket challenge so they can market it, gamble on it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, 
we'd be 1v8 reseeding after each round. But no, the NHL wants to make sure that people can get in pools and wager and fill out brackets and make it a communal event while inevitably two or three cup contenders meet each other in the first round and, you know, we're deprived of, and I, I know, and we're deprived of fantastic late round series to which everyone always says, well, late round series aren't all that great because people get injured, blah, blah, blah. Wouldn't you rather see them in the, you know, in the first round where everyone's healthy? No. <laughs> no, it's a battle of attrition, damn it. Chaos. We need chaos. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, the whole bracket thing is ridiculous because this isn't college basketball, you know? We don't have 64 teams to whittle it down weekend after weekend. We're okay. just... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it's it's a seven-game slog for two weeks <laughs> for each team. It's, it's a totally different, like, playoff format, so you can't really get into the whole let's have a bracket thing like you can in college basketball because there are no upsets. Well, so here's the thing, right? Brackets are based on seeding, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. And what happens after the first round? You know, there's always the 1v16 or 1v, you know, there's always that one weird upset, right? Like the 7-8 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And what does it mean? Well, doesn't mean that the bracket changes for the next round. It just means that that team advances. I, you know, I don't get why they couldn't do the whole bracket thing without re, based on reseeding. Because they did initially. Initially, it was done that way, and then they decided to change it in their infinite wisdom. Yes, I yes. said that sarcastically. <laughs> well, no, no, you said the correct term because a negative integer is still on the infinite scale. Mm -hmm. Infinity goes both ways. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. oh God, I just can't stand the stupid brackets. I want one V eight home, home ice to the highest seed in the next round. Just be done with it. And then they have to like, try to combine baseball wild card races in with everything. Like I know. They're, they're trying to mix they're trying to mix baseball wild card races in with college brackets and failing miserably at both really <sighs> you know that's that describes the NHL to a T we try to mimic everything else and we try to mimic things that that don't work and we'll try and we'll try and put the square peg in the round hole and claim victory when we when we hammer it through mm-hmm <laughs> Yeah. When we ram it down everyone's throats, then while everyone still stands, you know, when, during the shootout. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's like they can't have an original thought, you know? They really I mean, can't. I understand. I get it. It's hockey men, and a lot of hockey men were hockey players, and hockey players have had the creativity stamped out of them because creative boys cause trouble and don't do what they're told. So I get it. The whole thing is, I mean, I think the whole situation is wrong from beginning to end with that anyway, but that's beside the point. So yeah, I mean, they have no creativity. They have none. 
they want a sure thing and what they don't understand is them. <laughs> that too. <laughs> what they don't understand is mimicking other sports to try to like bank on their success. Doesn't work for them. It never has. Yeah, it's what, what it's it's the old lead follower get out of the way, right? Except in this case, it's lead follow and then be the NHL, the follower of the follower who is the leader. You know. Mhm. How can you lead when all you do is follow? Yeah. And <clears throat> just dummies, big dummy poo poo dummy heads. <laughs> Poo-poo dummy heads. Uh-huh. I can see who has a small child at home. <laughs> oh, I get more than that from him, trust me. Oh, no, I know you do. <laughs> hey, look at that Blake Wheeler. 3-2 Kraken, 15-11 left in the third. For those of you wanting a live in-game update on a game that happened two days before playoffs started, uh, or two day days, before playoffs. <laughs> two days after it happened, when you listen to this, yeah, yeah, I was looking at the schedule. I think it was Thursday. I saw all the huge lineup of games going on Friday, and then I was like, "Wait, my brain couldn't compute." It's like no games on Saturday. What? It just—I sat there and stared at it for like. 10 minutes going, that's the play. <laughs> no, I, uh, that's not right. <laughs> so, so kind of along those same lines. Um, one of the other shows I listened to, one of the hosts was going on a rant about the whole scheduling thing again, mm-hmm. you know, about staggered starts and, and, you know, how, when they have 15 games on at the same time, kind of like you were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, 12 of them go to the intermission at the same time and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just sitting there going, okay, that's great for you sitting at home with your TV package. But guess what? You're like one-tenth of 1% of the revenue that game is generating. Game start times are not for you, Sunshine. They're for the people that go to the arena and buy the concessions and buy the merchandise and pay for parking and pay for tickets. And you want to start staggering starts. Well, you're going to start impacting people. The 20,000 or 18,000 or 15,000 that are attending and, you know, the couple thousand that are working in the venue. So give me a break with this whole, oh, well, 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 these games are at intermission at the same time. Blah, 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 blah. Get up and go take a walk for 20 minutes. Pretty much. Yeah, no, I, I was explaining to someone I work with the other day. They're like, well, wh- why does that happen? And I'm like, uh, because... The NHL decided that teams were going to determine their own start game start times. Right. That's know, a, the, the NHL is not dictating anything here. This is just this is what the each team has decided. That's what the market works. That's what works for their market. And their local broadcasts. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, before the whole streaming service of everybody could watch everything. Did you want a Pittsburgh game to start at 6.30? No. Why? Well, because quite a lot of people aren't quite home by 6.30. Right. Right. I mean, well, and if you've gone to games in multiple arenas, 
across the NHL, you know that if you go to a seven o'clock start time, chances are a good portion of the seats are still empty because it's a late arriving crowd. And if you go yeah. to a game that starts at 7.30, then that's not, then most of the seats are full because people are at the arena. Yeah. It's just how it works out. You know, I mean, there used to be like back, what was it? Was it the nineties? I guess they were the NHL dictated playoff start times. They still do. Right. But at this point they were doing the, I think it was the conference finals and the Stanley cup final. They were doing, everybody had to start at uh, 8 PM Eastern. They still do. Do they? Yeah. Yeah. They've mandated that. That's, that's not changed for decades. Oh, well then I guess decades. I haven't watched a playoff game in decades. <laughs> well, the, the first, the first round, the first and second rounds um, are local start times. Right. Conference final is when they get in because it switches over to national broadcasts. Right. So that's when they dictate the 8 p.m. Eastern start times, regardless of. Um, but that's not the way it works on the West Coast, right? Doesn't the no, West Coast still start at 8? Um, so conference finals start at 8 p.m. It's basically 8 p.m. local. Right. So no, I, what I was saying was 8 p.m. Eastern. That's the so that meant final. That meant the West West Pacific yeah. time team started at 5 p.m. Yes, that's still the case for the Stanley Cup final. Okay. Because that moves over to um, ABC, generally. It mo that's when it moved on to the bigger network. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to run into local evening news, mm -hmm. even though they constantly do. Um, and... They didn't want to run into, actually, they didn't want to run into the 11 p.m. or the 5 p.m. or not the 5 p.m. Yeah, they didn't want to run into the 11 p.m. local news <laughs> and and hang all the expense for the 5 p.m. national news, you know, type thing. But yes, they wanted 5 p.m. starts, 8 p.m. Eastern, you know, regardless of whether it was Boston or Vancouver, they all started at five local. Yeah, that should tell you the last time I watched a. I mean, eight. Playoff game. <sighs> Not five local. Five p.m. Pacific, eight p.m. Eastern. <laughs> yeah. You know. Hey, hey. Uh, live in-game scoring update. It's three-three now. As the Kraken gonna Kraken. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right, Dave Haxtell. Give us that look of, of per, <laughs> of perpetual confusion as to what just happened. <laughs> and I'll remind everybody, it is one p.m. On Sunday, May the 1st, 2022, and Peter DeBoer still has a job. Was his contract up? It should not matter one bit if his contract was up or not. <laughs> well, you know, that whole one-third of the NHL head coaches are on the last year of their contract. It um, should matter one bit and and the worst part is sorry cassie is there's a likelihood he's gonna get um mercy counseled because people are gonna say all the injuries mm -hmm. completely ignoring the fact that even his team has there has been some sort of cryptic comments about they were unaware what they're supposed to do in the you know in in the zones 
defensive and <laughs> offensive, you know? There was confusion in the systems. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about coaches' shelf lives and everything, and, mm-hmm. you know, I fully admit Tortorella's got a short shelf life, you know, but never in my life have I ever seen somebody with a shorter shelf life than Peter DeBoer. And it is literally one year. Yeah, I know. Too bad no one listens to us. But then no one listens to, like, anybody because there was talk earlier today about Joel Quenville getting a new job in the NHL. (sighs) And it's like... Uh, you, okay, well, first of all, um, no. Second of all, uh, definitely not. And third of all, do the players even want him as a head coach? You know, I think, think they should vote on that one. Okay, live in-game scoring update. The Jets have just jetted, and the Kraken are still cracking. Kyle Connor, it is now 4-3 Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. So the um, Winnipeg Jets have now scored three unanswered goals since I started watching this game. I am a cracking good luck. Mm-hmm. So um, back to him. Mm-hmm. You know what the worst part is, Cassie? I'll mm-hmm. almost guarantee you there are players that want him as a coach. Well, yeah, because, you know, human nature is such that they're all like, well, that would never happen to me. You know, of course, I'm I'm the person who's like, if it if that's going to happen to anybody, it's going to happen to me first. <laughs> that's my personal outlook on life. But but most people, it's like, oh well, that will never happen to me. It's like, yeah, okay, sure. I don't even think they. I I I'm not sure they even think that way. I don't. Well, I mean, I, maybe not overtly, you know. I'm sure it's it's something in the back of their heads rather than I, something they're I, coming I, right out with. I don't even think it, and this is going to be very disparaging because I don't know, but I just get the sense that too many of them, it's not even, it's not even a thought. I mean, it's it's not even, I don't know how to put it. They don't see him wearing the taint of that whole thing and even if they did it was like they have they've got that weird you know plausible deniability type mindset of you know he's not the one who did it you know i think it's even simpler than that i think it's it's well that was in the past and it's positive toxic it's toxic positivity that was in the past we we can he'll be he's a winner and we can win with him and that's all that matters. And there and and but what I'm saying is is they compartmentalize it to such a point of of he's not the one that committed the act so you know I'm not I don't have to worry about him. Right. You know, never mind everything else. You know the cover up and the all the crap that they did it's they they really boil it down to the simplest of terms of well you know he's not the one who did the molesting and you know so long as we don't have any molesters around we don't have to worry about him covering it up right (laughs) that's that's the mindset 
I think it is for guys over the age of 25. I think the guys under the age of 25 are starting to look around and think, if we don't protect ourselves, no one else is going to protect us. I but, that's true. I mean, because the NHLPA is looking for a new, what is it, director? Is that what his job title is? Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and uh, miraculously, after um, Fair uh, and his fellow lawyers decided that he was blameless, um, and anything to do with the Kyle Beach incident. But, yeah, you know, it's like the the rumor has been that it's, um, that they were going to do this all along. And it's like, yeah, I don't know about that. But um, all the same, they're still doing it, you know? And yeah. that's got to be part of it. The whole Kyle Beach situation has got to be part of that. I can't believe that it wouldn't be, but I mean, you know, this is hockey, so of course it could be. But <laughs> I, how do I, why this is tricky? How do I put this one? It, not to diminish, I'm going to precursor it. This isn't my opinion. This, you know, this isn't me saying that that anything other than it wouldn't surprise me if they used it as the excuse to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Um, because they had other reasons that they didn't think would be justification for getting rid of him. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this is this is sort of like getting Capone on tax fraud, right? Right. Versus embezzlement and you know extortion and all the other stuff. You know, murder. we dealt. Yeah, murder. <laughs> exactly. You know, you know, we got him on tax evasion. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. sexy, but it's got teeth. You know. Right. So I don't know. I I to your point about the guys under a certain age, I hope to God you're right. I really do cuz the only way that toxicity is going to change is is by them forcing it. Right. You know the the Zegrises and the Troy Terrys and the Caulfields and you know the Suzukis and this generation of young superstars that are coming up you know that have that certain joie de vie for the for the game and for life and all that kind of crap you notice i didn't say a couple players (laughs) names specifically because they're still in that you know those that are in that age range are still kind of preconditioned to be hockey brainwashed yeah we're all still brainwashed. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you can you can tell you can tell the players who I I don't know if I want to say are better parented or they just they had better coaches or they had a better just situation generally. But you can tell the players who weren't one conditioned to think that way by their interviews. I mean, Zegras is a classic example, right? Um, and and then you can tell the guys who are 
Crosby's gotten way better than he used to be, but my God, when he first came into the league was just like, he could say so many words and none of them had any meaning. And I think, (laughs) interesting you bring up his name because I think he sees the end of the road. Right. And I think his DGAF meter, you know, his DGAF meter Mm -hmm. is reaching full capacity. It's sort of like a power up, you know, you build it over time and, and you know when it, when the when the bar is fully charged then you can release it and you know it doesn't get charged until you're near retirement when you don't have to worry about navigating the the internal politics and the contracts and all that kind of bs right you know is senioritis yeah exactly <laughs> it, yeah last day of schoolitis man what are they going to do fire me you know yeah, it's like you're you're the last three months of high school and you're a senior and you're like, screw this, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Last week of school, you know. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, and that's because his peers, guys his age, are starting to retire. Right? Yeah. Oh, God, and, yeah. And that's why he's, like, looking around going, oh, guess because uh, I caught part of an interview and he's like, you just start appreciating things more. And I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah, I wonder who around you is talking about retirement. Because uh-huh. um, <laughs> God knows it's not him. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It might be him, though. I don't, I don't want to get into the, into the psychological analysis, you know, detached psychological analysis of one Sidney Crosby. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't surprise me if it was him. He sees the writing on the wall with the team. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, you'd have to be deaf, dumb, and blind to not realize that um, it's Pittsburgh's, <laughs> Pittsburgh's really going fun. into rebuild here in the next year or two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, what what's there now is being held together by bailing wire and and twine. Right. You know, it's not going to hold much longer. Right. And I I highly doubt in every way shape or form that he is going to be a guy that that you know that Zdeno Charos himself starts taking or Joe Thornton's right he's got his cups he's got his awards he's got everything he wanted you know as long as the fire is still there he'll still play for Pittsburgh but you know and I think that's fire is based on how competitive they are and that you know the minute some of the bailing wire starts to unravel or the twine starts snapping you know one year deal i'm done right well if he were smart he would start doing one year deals i don't know when his deal ends i try not to pay too much attention to Sidney crosby to be honest but the same here very much the same here i mean i'm sure he's a nice guy and all but um professionally yeah <laughs> he, you know, professionally, he is what he advertises. Yeah. Hellman's mayonnaise, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I like personality, and he spent a good portion of his career not having one. So publicly, so <laughs> it's like, eh. yeah, wallpaper paste, you know. Yeah. And that's him. Good on him, you know. Pretty much. I think he's done more. He's done more good than harm. So uh, that's all. 
I think he has. I think it depends on, for me, when I'm thinking about Sidney Crosby and like the NHLPA and his fellow players and things like that, um, I don't think he's done enough. Um, but then again, he's of the generation, he's still of the older generation where there was no expectation for him to do more. Um, so, but like in terms of, of, and in terms of playing, I think that he was kind of an idiot to keep playing with all those concussions, but I can understand why he did that. Uh, in terms of like charity work and all of that i think he's done a lot of good so so for me i have to compartmentalize all of that the overall thing of it i'm pretty neutral but like yeah (laughs) Yeah. and that you know i didn't i didn't say the scale was tipped you know massively one way or the other true i just you know and that's all and boy, that tells you where my expectations are about people in life or <laughs> celebrities. As long as you do more more good than harm, you know, we're okay. Uh, my expectation for people in general is um, enjoy life. Just don't hurt yourself or other people. <laughs> Hell, I'm even less than that. I don't give a f- <laughs> my My DGAF, if you hurt yourself, is whatever. Just don't take anyone else with you. Yeah. Personal yeah. responsibility. I literally don't care what you do with your life. As long as you don't impact mine in a negative way, go for it. <laughs> right. So, um, <clears throat> poor Jeff Blashill. I don't get, I don't get the derision people had for him. I, I literally don't. He didn't do more with what he had, which wasn't a lot. Which wasn't anything for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know? Hey, take this Michelin star chef and tell him to make something out of this pile of dog dirt, you know? And it has to be edible. <laughs> and then get on it, and then start dragging him when he doesn't. I, I don't know. I, I think they wanted the miracle maker. Yeah, I think they wanted, I think Iserman wanted someone to do the best with what was there. But and that was, that's exactly what Blaschel did. Exactly, <laughs> but I mean, I think that Iserman that sometimes has unrealistic expectations, um, <laughs> just generally speaking. Um, but... Also, I kind of think that that he was a placeholder while the team was trying to while Eiserman was trying to get the team back on track. Oh, I think we all said that he was the guy that you got before the guy who was working who was going to lead them back to the playoffs. Right. You know, the guy before the guy that gets you there, type thing. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of talk early in his, like, coaching stint comparing him to Cooper, John Cooper. And they were friends, and they they had a lot of stuff in common, I guess. But um, 
And I think that Eiserman was kind of hoping he'd turn into a John Cooper. And it's like, do you understand what you had to do to get John Cooper to be a John Cooper? Right. <laughs> and it's like, and Eiserman was the guy that did most or did a lot of that. He didn't do most of it because he didn't draft um, Stamkos. He also didn't draw. I don't think he drafted Hedman either. But still, you know, it's like after that. Um, you get point. You get Gord. You get Kucherov. You get Vasilevsky. You get. You know. Right. And how did he get all those players? By the team sucking. Uh, oh, no. The Lightning sucked so no, no, bad I'm not, I'm not, before Eisenman got there. I'm not disagreeing with you. But look at where those guys were drafted. A right. lot. Of, right, I, but I'm talking about where those draft picks came from. <laughs> so. I'm not looking at anything right now. So if I'm, I'm just like pulling things off the top of my head. So if I'm wrong, then, you know, I'm wrong. But. <laughs> I, Braden Point, second round. I mean. Who right, had, now Eiserman did some really like. Great things well, his and staff. trades and and uh, getting more draft picks and things like that. Uh, well, I I don't even think it's even more draft picks. I think they they nailed the ones they had by and large. Is what I'm trying to get at. Is you know you look at somebody like Anthony Sorelli, right? That was not a high draft pick. Right. Well, I mean, the, the the question had always been before Iserman went back to the Red Wings was who was the guy, who who were the people behind those decisions, like who who was drafting who, and was it uh, Brisebaugh? Was it Iserman? Was it Brisebaugh and Iserman? Um, and so I think at this point we can kind of say it was. Both, but mostly yeah. Bruce Ball. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and and to that point, a little, well, I don't know. I, I don't know because he took cider, and I laughed my arse off when he took cider at sixth. And I have no problem wiping that egg off my face. If more mm-hmm. cider continues on this path, taking him at sixth was a brilliant move, right? Mm-hmm. Now you've got that anchor defenseman. You know, not that I'm going to, not that he's comparative to Lidstrom, but you've got an anchor defenseman you can start building around and you don't find those falling off trees. So, I mean, I'm looking at somebody like Vasilevsky specifically. Right. First, first round 19th overall. And I remember specifically there were people that were like, oh, man, you know, they're going to draft a goalie, you know, in the first round. Ooh, that never works out. How many of those teams would love to have an Andre Vasilevsky now? It was actually even more chancy than that, because at the time when Vasilevsky was drafted, there was a concern that he may not come over because he might want to stay in the KHL. And that's why nobody wanted to waste high draft picks on Russian players because they weren't sure if they would come to North America or not. Yeah. And that that I can see being an Iserman pick, right? Because the Russian five, you know, Iserman is, is used to, or he played with a lot of really good Russians. 
and knew that Russia produced a lot of good players. And I think Breeze Bra would have would have shied away from that, but um, I think Vasilevsky was really an Iserman pick um, because of that. So, but there's also a couple of picks that the Iserman and were probably Iserman that he really got wrong. Oh, no doubt. Nobody's ever 100%. Right. But I always have mandated, and I firmly believe this is true, in every draft, you have to, have to, have to, doesn't matter what round or where, every single draft year, you have to get a player that is that can be NHL caliber at some point. Mm-hmm. Not, not floating between the A and the N, an actual day-to-day NHL player. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there. If you do not get one of those players every year, you're screwed. And, you know, Anthony Sorelli, third round. Look how many people passed on him. Andre Pilat, mm-hmm. seventh round, you know. Kucherov, second round, late. These mm-hmm. aren't, you know, these aren't, what do I want to say? These aren't guys that they traded up to get. They were sitting there ready for him, and boy, did they make, they nail those picks. Yeah. I mean, I have my quibbles with the whole thing. Um, I, I get it. I'm literally just sitting here looking at the acquired status for the starting lineup. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of their players are, are their own draft picks. Yeah, and that was that was an Iserman thing. He he yeah. went into being a GM, and he was like, "I want to build from within," and that was that was his whole goal was to draft a team, develop them, bring them up, and have them play um, uh, in the NHL. And he was very successful with that. Um, the The problem happened when uh, he got impatient. And what ended up happening is the AHL team had success in the AHL. They won, they won the uh, Calder Cup, and then they got to the Calder Cup files, finals the second year. And uh, Eisman decided to bring up the core from the AHL team, gutting his farm team. Um, I shouldn't say gut, but took it, the farm team took a huge hit because of that. And they never entirely recovered. Um, there's and, and then I think Cooper was, he is a good NHL coach as much as I don't want to admit it. I think he's a better AHL coach and a better, better at developing talent than he is an, an NHL coach. And so when they brought Cooper up to coach the lightning, um, that also was a big hit for their development of their of their prospects, um, and so well, except, except that all their prospects were playing in the NHL where he was. So right. Well, yeah, um, that's a whole nother story. Uh, and so, so they didn't really have anything at the AHL level for a number of years because they didn't have a coach who could develop players as well as Cooper did, and. 
their core players that had been in the AHL were brought up to the NHL. And so they had a big vacancy there that took time to fill. And so, yeah, I mean, now they're fantastic because it's, it's essentially those same core players that had been playing in the AHL that are now the core players of the lightning, Palat, Kucherov, et cetera, and so on. Um, but yeah, you know, it took a long time for for them to rebuild their farm team. Iserman built in the middle of that. <laughs> they went to went to the Red Wings. <laughs> which I which I think is okay. Sometimes, you know, if you've got a core like that, you can hang on to them long term by yourself six seven years. Um, in six seven years, you can you can refill the pool, you know. Right. Um, and that's, that's, I think, you know, it wasn't a matter of betting on the pool being refilled. It was a matter if I think for Iserman in particular, it was a matter of we can win in the NHL now and yeah. I don't want to wait anymore. <laughs> Which. Uh, and again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not, I was going to say, uh, you know, back to back Stanley cup champions look primed to probably get a third. You know, based on the foundation of that, I, you know, I'd be okay with it. Right. But the the question then is, when that group ages out, are they going to be able to still be, you know, pretty successful? You no, know, I, I totally get it. I, so. And that's, that's the risk you take. And you just sit there and go, okay, you know, at least they're smart-ish. <laughs> Pre and post Iserman, not to sit there and continue to dump first round picks to buy in um, asset players because your system has been so decimated. Right. They are, you know, that's why I say I'm okay pulling all those kids up and leaving those gaps down there. That's fine because those kids are going to be here five, six, seven, eight, nine years. And that gives me time, provided I don't, you know, dump all my draft picks like Pittsburgh does continually to buy in other players to fill other holes. I can take what I've got coming and draft more players to get in there. There may be a, you know, there may be a little gap here and there. You know, the new guys may not come in, you know, until the other guys are kind of on the downward slide. But I think the if you're looking at it like a like a wave i think i think the downward slide and bounce back is going to be a lot shorter than it is for other teams like pittsburgh who continue to eviscerate all of their futures by trading to bring in guys like jeff car you know bring in players in and around crosby because they can't find enough other players in their own system because they don't draft well enough and don't draft often and you know that kind of stuff right development yes. is not a priority for them they just figure they can get guys for draft picks yeah. and call it good yeah and and i think the development aspect that they looked at for far too long was you know if we get one guy you know mark donk you know who who blows us away then we'll consider it a success just just crazy to me i know but then i grew up a college football fan right <laughs> oh god where rosters turned over every year yeah and so and so you had to make sure 
you had to uh, um, get their get good players in as freshmen and develop them so that you would have a winning team every year by the time they were like juniors, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and so that's that. In my head, that's no different than an NHL team trying to develop players in the minors so that they have a constant stream of, you know, serviceable players. I, I get you, but I think you've got a longer arc right. in hockey than you do in college football. College football, you've got two years, right. right? Effectively, you know, unless they're redshirt, you've got two years with a guy. So... Most of them redshirt, so it's usually three. Yeah, but they aren't making an impact. You know, very few make an impact their sophomore year. Right. Yeah, I mean. And then then you have the risk, if they do, what are the odds they're staying? Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, you know, the the risk of of college football is, is not just injury, but people transferring out to a different school, and you can't trade. Or leaving for the draft. We're leaving for the draft. Thank you. Um, and so, and you can't trade, right? Yeah. And so, it's a much, it's a much more different, difficult way to navigate getting players than you know pro sports have to do. Um, but on the other hand, it's still doable, right? I mean, you get teams like Alabama who are constantly. I, well, for a number of reasons, constantly like playing for the national title. <laughs> um, and they do okay. So um, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's a player you, management issue. You, you have selection. You have selectability in college. You don't have that in the NHL. You get to go out and players select you after you recruit the living hell out of them. Right. Right. I don't, get, I don't get to draft out of high school for college. No. No. So I mean, yeah. Teams so like the- Alabama, so teams like Alabama, and you know Notre Dame and USC and UC, those are the names. Kids want to go there because they're going to get seen on national TV. It's a preeminent program. Blah 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 blah. You know the the path to the NFL is likelier via one of those big schools than it is through Western Washington or, you know, Middletown College in Danbury. So Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like, you're well, so the risk factor flips, right? So in college football, you're taking the risk of another school um, out recruiting you for a key recruit yeah. in um, in pro sports, you take the risk of another team moving up in the draft to get the pick that you want. But I get what you're saying. It's it's one is the player picks you, the other is you pick the player. Yeah, I have no choice. Somebody can, you know, finagle their way to 57th and take Nikita Kucherov instead of me getting him at 58th. Right. But Nikita Kucherov doesn't say, I don't want to play for Tampa. I want to play for someone else. You know. God, wouldn't that be fun? And that's kind of <laughs> what I'm getting at, right? 
that's a little bit of what I'm getting at. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I like the, I like the age protection they have, right? So you, you know, you can't be drafted until you've reached your 18th birthday. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm fine with that. Um, but yeah, wouldn't it be fun? You know, two teams get to vie for your rights, you know? Well, not even that. It's, it's a team drafts you and you can like turn them down. <laughs> become a free agent. <laughs> well, they do that now, except they have that whole stupid three year waiting period. Yeah. You know, and oftentimes what will happen is the team will say, okay, you know, we'll just trade your rights away anyway. You know, if you don't want to play for Adam Fox, right? Mm-hmm. Prime example. Gets drafted by Calgary, pretty much makes it clear. I am never playing for Calgary. Gets packaged up and sent to Carolina as part of a throwaway in that deal. Says, I've got no interest in playing for Calgary or for Carolina. I only want to play here. Well, he did get to pick where he got to play. Right. <laughs> so maybe maybe more kids should start going to uh, college in the U.S. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, the NCAA is really screwing themselves over by, like, putting in the, the stipulation of uh, what a pro player is. Because <laughs> I would... I would like to see the numbers because I suspect and I've suspected for a long time that um, guys who end up in junior hockey, if they had the option to bail on junior hockey and to go play college, I suspect that there would be quite a few of them that would. Well, especially if um, especially if they were in a situation where they weren't going to get drafted. Or they are, you know, they weren't going to get, they weren't going to be able to play for, um, you know, their, their career arc had them aimed more for the AHL than the NHL. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, I'm sure a lot of them probably would love to go get essentially, you know, a free education and be able to play hockey at a high level and see what falls out of it. But if nothing falls out of it, guess what? I've got a degree from St. Cloud State or, you know, Michigan or Michigan State and not have to pay for it myself type thing. Right. Well, I think there's also there's there's also just the the guys who don't feel comfortable in junior, you know, they go yeah. to junior hockey. They think it's going to be one way. They're playing and they're like, oh, this isn't what I expected. I don't want to play here, <laughs> you know. And and maybe they had a friend that went to college and they're like, oh, I think I want to go the college route, you know. Um, that sort of thing. I, I think that the NCAA like really screws themselves over by by saying, oh, no, if you've played – if you've gotten a stipend from a junior hockey team, you're a professional player and we just can't have you. So I think they're really screwing themselves over with that. Cause I think a, a number of players would probably be like, yeah, this isn't working for me and I can't decide on where I want to go next. So I think I'm just going to go college. Well, that's kind of what I'm saying, right? Is, is whether it's, their career arc doesn't take them there or they don't, they end up not liking playing in the, in the WHL or CHL. Right. The option to go play, you know, university in this or college in the States, you know, and potentially on a scholarship in a lot of cases. Um, 
would behoove them. Um, wow. Sorry, I was just looking up dead cap stuff on some teams. Uh oh. No. No, that's good. All's fair in love and war. Mm-hmm. It's funny the Islanders still show DPH role in the buyout history, but the cap hit is zero because of the compliance buyout stuff. Mm. So I don't, you know, it's kind of like, what's the point? Wasn't his contract supposed to end in like now, <laughs> like 2022, 2023? Um, I, I think it was, yeah. Something like that. I want to actually, I want to say it was like 2024, to be honest, but it seems like it was pretty far out. Maybe it was. It was really uh, too bad that he was made of spun glass. No, it was actually the contract ended last year, past uh, season, because it was a 15-year deal he signed in 06. Years. And they and they ended up buying him out in thirteen fourteen. Yeah, it's really too bad he was made out of spun glass. It, honest to God, it was. But you know what? I'm okay with it because he's been fantastic on TV. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> on not on Islanders broadcasts as well as on ESPN, he's been a he's been a giggle. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems like a character. Yeah, he's. Um, I don't remember what his Twitter handle is, but it was, but it was pretty self-deprecating too. Oh no, I remember. I remember what. Uh, I was, kind of remember. It was like um, it was something along the lines of Pinocchio, I think, but it wasn't Pinocchio. If only there were some magical. <laughs> uh, no, it was, it was Humpty Dumpty. H Dumpty. Oh Humpty. right, right, yes. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, I I love that he's sort of okay, you know. <laughs> I'm going to own it. That's yes, I was Humpty Dumpty. Yeah. Um, it's, it, you know, goalies are goalies. Goalies are going to be goofy. Yeah. Him and, him and Strombone, you know. Um, um, so I'm really hoping for with playoffs I'm really hoping that we end up with another another Colorado Florida final just because (laughs) by god that's Uwe Krupp's music you know as (laughs) as we approach the fourth overtime of a 0-0 neutralized clutch and grab game Right. Well, and, and and it's not the Patrick Wah revenge tour. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So you know, it's more of an even playing field. <laughs> Only no flying rat, no flying plastic rats this time either. I still love the shot of that. Just. They start raining down, and what does Patrick Waugh do? Just back his butt right into his own net so he's not getting pummeled with him. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you know, they score. Get ready. <laughs> Après mm-hmm. gold deluge, you know. So this is 1996 we're reliving, kids. <laughs> and I think mostly because Peter Forsberg. Uh, always Peter Forsberg. Um but yeah, no, I, I kind of want, I kind of want that. I kind of want the, uh, the let's let's replay this with a level playing field of 
We don't have the Patrick Waugh revenge tour going on, you know. We don't have the the rat trick going on. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. And it also sets up a Florida-Tampa conference final. Let's call it what it is. A Donnybrook. Yeah. That is, tell me that's not going to be a Donnybrook. Mm-hmm. And, my, well, my bracket also sets up a uh, second round um, Calgary-Edmonton matchup. So I did do the bracket. Less of a Donnybrook. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, inter interstate slash provincial rivalry thing going on or something. Um, but yeah, provincial derby, as the Brits would call it. Eh, <laughs> they can call it what they want. <laughs> Come on, it sounds it sounds more eloquent that way. Mm. Mm-hmm. You're not buying any of that, are you? Nope. Did you know that Bobby Ryan and Dion Phaneuf are still getting paid by the Senators? Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, Bobby Ryan's due was due three and a half million this year and one point eight the next two years. Phaneuf's only getting three hundred and fifty K from him, but that's better than a sharp stick in the eye. They're all amateurs. They will never live up to Chris Pronger. Yeah, I got to find it. That's wait. dead contract, dead cap, dead cap for the Arizona Coyotes. This should be bookmarked. It's not as bad as you think, honestly. Not yet. <laughs> no, it's not. They Michael Grabner comes off the books this year at one point, too. Darcy Kemper comes off the books this year as part of retained salary. So their buyout history is 1.8 or 1.2. Injured reserve, they're only showing um, NHL roster, at least. Brian Little, Dimitri Askin, and Connor Timmons. So about $9 million. Now, <laughs> Boy, howdy. I think Pronger came off the books last year. Because <laughs> I think, didn't he sign another one of those ridiculous, like, 16 year deals? I think it was like eight or nine. The ones that were basically made illegal by the second lockout because they. The GMs left themselves enough loopholes in the first lockout to be make sure that they hung themselves so they had to have another lockout to close mm-hmm. those loopholes to which they're still finding ways to hang themselves. Mm-hmm. Boy, stupidest of stupid. <laughs> oh, man, the Sharks are paying Martin Jones forever. Wow. Yeah, I'm not going to pile on Doug Wilson right now either. Um, 
just because health. I've, mm. I've, I've stated what I wanted to say about him online. Um, and and amazingly enough, a friend of mine um, from San Jose was up this weekend. Not amazing that he was up here, but we were we went through the Museum of Pop History in Seattle and had a had a long discussion about the foibles of Mr. Douglas Wilson. And it was quite an, quite a um, quite spirited at a couple of points. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all's good. All's fair in love and war, and hockey. Except nothing's fair in hockey. Nothing is honorable in hockey. Nothing's honorable in life either. Yeah. <sighs> okay. I just let it go. Breathe in. Breathe out. In with good air. Out with the bad. I'm not here for a good time. I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good long time. <laughs> mm. Is that legal? It is in Washington now. Oh, I knew yeah. I wanted to move back. Thanks to Tim Iman and those referendums, you know. <laughs> mm. Any loophole, any any loophole law that you can drive a Mack truck through can be can be approved, and then we'll drive Mack trucks through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the thirty dollar car tabs. <laughs> Are those still a thing, or is it, they got rid of them yet? <laughs> no, it's technically still a thing. Oh God! I still pay, you know, two hundred dollars a year because the law was written in such a way that, hey, guess what? You're gonna pay for the you're gonna pay for the light rail. Hey, guess what? You're gonna pay for transit taxes. Hey, guess what? You're still gonna pay a, a county tax. Mm-hmm. And those are gonna be exponentially more than thirty dollars. <laughs> Always. That jackass. <laughs> Welcome okay. to King County. <laughs> Welcome to Washington. Welcome to Washington State. Um, okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm going to go watch the rest of Ozark. All right, good luck. Yeah, because there was no weirder juxtaposition in my life last night than watching an episode of Arrested Development and then following it up with the start of the last season of Ozark. <laughs> Sounds a little mind-bendy. Yeah, just a, just a smidge. And mm. as a friend of mine said, I should have started the night with an episode of Silver Spoons. Oh, God. <laughs> like, no, thank you. <laughs> so, all right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, animals, non-sentient beings, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the start of playoffs. Do your brackets. Or don't Be good do your to brackets. one another. Or don't do brackets. I really don't care what you do with your life so long as you don't impact mine in a negative. Mm-hmm. That's my. That's gonna be my sign off from now on. <laughs> I don't give two bleep what you do with your life. Just don't impact mine in a negative manner. Mm-hmm. Three B Three Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Three B Three Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees. 